this podcast is going to be about Formula One and everything that has to do with Formula One. This particular episode is going to be on Nelson Piquet. 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 I don't like his name. Yeah, Scott Pruitt. Nelson Piquet. Same what? thing. Who's Scott Pruitt? Uh, some guy. Um, <laughs> anywho. Okay. So... Uh, Nelson Piquet was a super successful Brazilian Formula One driver who raced from 1978 to 1991. How successful? 23 race victories. He's he's up there. He's not. I don't think he's top 10, but he's like top 15 of all time. See, that's just out of like out of like the what 70 something race winners there's been. That's not bad. Eh. Like Nico Rosberg, who was uh, the. Formula One champion of 2016, like he retired in 2016 when he won the world championship. He had like 25 wins, and this was babe. This was back in the day when like, like people died. Like oh yeah, a people lot. died. Yeah. That's encouraging. <laughs> so like the fact that people, like you know the the fact that he just kept going was well he raced in an era he he was he was an 80s racer okay. and so. What happened was during the eighties, safety became. He did a became, lot of drugs. Mm, no, but it's the eighties. No, he, in the eighties, Formula One cars were a lot safer than they were in the seventies. But even then, you could still like it, it was just like sheet metal, pretty much like carbon fiber. Like they were like millimeters thick. So you couldn't be like typical eighties coked out driving. No, your Formula One car. No. Okay, so it wasn't like a rock and roll band. No. Okay. No, they just. That's unfortunate. Very. I feel like it would make it a lot, a lot more drivers would have died the if their cocaine habits had gotten out of control. There was a driver. Oh, okay, so out of control, but they could still have it, just not on the track. Yeah, I mean it's okay. the same with like drinking. Like there's a Formula One driver named James Hunt who won the championship in 1976. He would like drink a glass of champagne or something right before the race. Oh, that's healthy. He like yeah, no, super unhealthy. <laughs> then there was another Formula One driver named Alan Jones. He won the championship in 1980. He um. He was somebody who liked to drink, not excessively, oh, but w- what happened was that, like, fitness in the 80s and before wasn't really something seen as something you should you, you, you would be taking seriously. Yeah, it was like Jane so, Fonda, right? Yeah, Where, like, you could like, do it if you were, like, at yeah, home. Yeah, but people, like, typically were a lot thinner and more athletic back in the day anyways, as opposed to now where people are eating fucking burgers and shit. Yeah, I think Burger King has contributed greatly yeah. to Wendy's, McDonald's. Yeah. Ugh, Burger King sponsor us. Um, Talkies. Mm-hmm. Anywho, so uh, Alan Jones, after every race, he would have a couple of drinks. And, uh, well, but that's like, after. It's and not th- like before. There was a, there was a stark uh, like appearance shift after he retired because he got big because he drank a lot. So oh, well, I mean. He kind of just so let it get Elvis. out of control. I don't. Yeah. But anywho, Nelson Piquet. Nelson Piquet was born, uh, I think, in 1952. So he's old, old. Oh, he's old. Yeah, he's a boomer. Okay. Yeah, he's the third or fourth oldest world champion right now, still alive. Jesus. So, so in the on the list of old champions, Jackie Stewart is also a triple world champion. Okay. He was born, I think, in 1944 Oish. or something like that. He's all. He, I think he's like 80 years old now. Yikes. He's old, right? And um. He's the oldest. After that, I think it's PK. After that, I think it's Nigel Mansell. After that, I think it's Damon Hill. No, it's like Schechter, Jody Schechter, Alan Jones, Emerson Fittipaldi is also like top four or five. Nelson PK is on. Nelson PK is top ten on old, but He's like old. But there's like this smush. Like there's like. Like you know, we're, a ton we're of like, old people who didn't die in the cars, and like also yeah, somehow didn't that, die afterwards. Yeah, literally. And they're still like kicking. Yeah. 
Kind of. Well, who knows how long Jackie Stewart, like, hopefully Jackie Stewart makes it to, like, you know, live an old age. But he's lived a good life. I thought you were going to say something different there, and I was like, maybe that's no. not, like, we shouldn't say No, no, no. <laughs> he's, he's uh, you know, he's one of my favorites, so hopefully oh, he lives well. to be older. Fingers crossed. He makes it, yeah. But, anywho... On, in terms of old driver, he's old. Yeah, he's like they're not Lewis Hamilton. It's like no, the Lewis only Hamilton guy was born I actually in like, know. He was born point. in 1985, baby. He's like he's like 35. Oh, I thought he was younger. No, I thought he was like your age. No. Oh, oh, fuck. No, I don't know. Um. Uh. Anywho, yeah. In terms of the Brazilian drivers, he's fairly obscure. Um. Not really as recognized as the he should PK be. The PK guy. PK. Yeah. Okay. Um, because when you talk about Brazilian drivers, they're the one, the one driver that everybody knows is Ayrton Senna, who is like the, uh, he was like the racer, like people is that he race racing right now. No, he died. He died uh, in 1994. Oh, oh God. Awkward. Yeah. Oh. He was, uh, after... Did he die in a race? Yeah. Oh, was he the guy with the like head? Did he get his head? That was off? Francois Severa, but oh, that was 1973. Yeah. Yes. Different French guy. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, different guy, not French. So, uh, Ayrton Senna was the guy that people looked, like, people that raced with Ayrton Senna throughout all of his career said that he was the guy that liked to push limits to the point where, like, he had this sort of, like, fifth sense about where the car should go before it was there because he could feel where on, like, the grip was on the track. But then didn't he die in a car? That, well, we'll cover that later on in a different episode. Okay, but, yes, but I'm died. just saying that fifth sense didn't work out for him in the end. But, babe, like, there was I'm a... Just... You're going to regret saying that later because he, like... Well, no, I'm like, sure it's terrible. Like, like, I feel so bad that it yeah. happened, but... And that would be a sixth sense, by the way. We already have Is it five six? Senses. Okay, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Anywho. But, yeah. So, Ayrton Senna died, um, and he's kind of the Brazilian. If we're going to rank the Brazilians in the Formula One... This guy doesn't exist, really. Like, people don't know who he is. They do, but you have to kind of, like, look... Which is kind of sad because there are a lot of... already know about Formula 1. Yeah, it's one of those things where you don't find out about PK unless you are, like, start doing research and go back in time. So you're, like, a, a NASCAR super fan. Not... But, like, for Formula 1. Yeah. Where I you're, would... like, you're super into the sport. I don't know all of the... St- I know the world champions. I don't know, like, the car models. I had to, like, write them down because I didn't know by heart what the chassis number was or, what, you know what I mean, or, like, the engine the number. Like the chassis or whatever. What's a chassis? It's like the body of the car, baby. Okay. It's well, like when you take everything see, off, it's just a metal body. You're already beyond He was born Nelson Sotomayor. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It's Portuguese. Um, I don't know what you said. Anywho. So. Uh, he was born Nelson Sao, something. Sotomayor. Spelled super weirdly. Um, his non-official his mother, birth name is His mother's so surname too. was Pique. So what happened was when Nelson was racing early on in his junior formula... He was a very athletic person. He was very, uh, um, like, adept at tennis. And he um, was also take. he also took up karting, right? Took up what? Karting, like go-karting. Kart. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant karting, like IDs. Like, no, no, karts. I was so karts. Yeah. Okay. He took up go-karting and his dad didn't like it. So, oh. like, a lot of, you'll find this out with a lot of other racers that we're going to cover. He, Their parents don't like them getting into fast, dangerous cars. It so. wasn't that. And they found a way, the drivers found a way to get... To not get recognized. Jackie Stewart drove under a surname, a surname. PK actually changed his name to from Sato Mayor to PK because his... Oh, I bet his dad loved that. I'm well, sure his really dad turned didn't him on really find... There was a bit of, like... There's there's still a bit of, like, debate whether it's, as to whether the dad knew 100% oh. or didn't. <laughs> so he was I mean, just the dad, the dad found out, back. but PK was in high school. He was a teenager. He knew who he was getting into... 
And he was so, a teenager. That's the opposite what of what you think. These go karts only go like 30 miles an hour. Like, oh, he it, would, you don't mean Formula One. So he changed no. his name while go karting. Yeah, while go karting to hide his identity so his dad wouldn't find That's out. That's kind of cute. Well, because PK That's like came, such a rebellious teenager. PK came do. from money. Of course. Uh, this is going to be another thing. A lot of modern drivers come from money. PK. But it's expensive. From, it's, a, it's an yeah, expensive it's sport. Yeah, it's an expensive sport. Yeah. I can't imagine. We'll cover, just... we'll cover like Peter Revson, who was uh, who changed his name from Peter Revlon to Peter Revson because he was part of, part the, of Revlon the Revlon family. Yeah. Oh my God. Can we cover yeah. like a poor driver at some point? We're going to. We're going to. Jackie God. Stewart was fairly poor. Um, but by fairly poor, I mean like poor. I no, don't mean like... No, he was like... a farmer. Jim Clark was like a sheep farmer and he won the championship. Okay, that's what I mean. I don't yeah. mean like... He was kind of poor. Like his parents only made 500k <laughs> No, no, no. It was... So, so PK was doing all of these things. He won a couple of tennis championships as a teenager. And um, his dad had this really like typical South American name with like five or six like names in it. So his name oh, was great. <laughs> Estacio Gonclaves Soto... Space, mayor, and he was a physician, and he was also a minister, right? Okay, so, so this guy did everything. This guy did and everything had and a had everything. He had a for name each. for each. He was like, no, he... "I'm physician Soto, yeah, and I'm minister yeah. mayor." Yeah. Yep. Okay, great. So his father, like I said, encouraged him to do tennis. Um, I don't know why. I feel which like tennis. PK like was known not... for his tennis abilities but from you can't a young really age. Money on tennis. That's fair. Um, well, you know what's funny is that the. Uh, the Call Me Daddy podcast, you remember? What's her name? Was she literally talking. said you she's can't like, make money. She's like, if he's not, like, top 10, you know that was not making money. Like, if he's ranked, like, 115th or something, like, don't talk to him. Literally. I was like, bitch. I was like, there's nothing wrong with making $55,000 a year as a golfer. I mean. If that. I, as a golfer? Yeah. I, mm. I feel like the only golfer I know is Tiger Woods, so. Yeah. And, I mean, controversy, so. Mm-hmm. Eh. What drew PK to golf carts was that they went fast. Yeah, and tennis was boring. Yeah. So I Nelson know. PK from you'll we'll, we're gonna cover this later on. We're only covering up to 1978. PK had a very erratic personality, right? Same. So <laughs> right, and that led him to I would like I would imagine PK had ADD back before it was like diagnosable. Yeah, he probably woke up and he needed coffee to calm down. Yeah. So he wouldn't annoy people. Yeah, literally. Well, okay, so one of the things, Jackie Stewart was dyslexic, severely dyslexic, and... Dyslexic. Do you have dyslexia of the mouth? Yes. Okay. Jackie Stewart was highly dyslexic, and um, that went undiagnosed until he was, like, 45. How do you not notice you can't read? Like, well, because properly? he hit it really well, babe. Oh, like, he, like he knew, but other people didn't? He know. knew that he okay, struggled, and so like, what happened you, was... How do you not notice? This was really sad. Jackie Stewart said on many occasions he stood next to Queen Elizabeth, Aww. and while they were doing, like, the Queen's, whatever, like, the national anthem, and he, he didn't know the word, so he hummed it. That's a mood. Yeah, no, but, like, that's how... So he, like, imagine living with that where you're the super yeah, successful no, that's person and you don't know how to hard. read. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I don't know that he didn't know how to read. He didn't. That's he, just... No, Jackie Stewart has admitted that he, like, doesn't know the alphabet because he can't remember. Oh. Like, babe, I'm talking severe dyslexic. Well, but I thought... Okay, dyslexia... I might be wrong. Dyslexia is, like, where you, like... You can read, but, like, the words, like, it's the, the letters jumble, right? It varies with severity. That's yeah. the thing. That's why. Oh, so, so he's an extreme like really, dyslexic. really bad, then you have a hard yeah. time even... Yeah. Okay. And so what happened was... Yeah. This is, this is I think, super boss. Jack... I'm covering too much on, like, other drivers. But oh, it's Jackie fine. Stewart... I, we've... After, uh, after Jackie Stewart went public with his dyslexia thing, there was legislation pushed in the Scottish government for dyslexia to be something that teachers look for. Oh! 
<laughs> because it wasn't right. Like, pay attention if you're. And student it was can't super read. easy. I don't know. It was, and so now every teacher who every like tutor who wants to become a teacher in the public school system of Scotland knows what to look for for kids who are dyslexic, oh. which I think is dope. That is cool. Yeah, I just feel like I don't know. I don't know if PK was dyslexic. I think he was just Pick crazy. It. Yeah. And, he was really um, just eccentric. I feel like yeah. eccentric is better. I think eccentric is nice if you don't want to hurt the man's feelings. He and was... he was right here sitting next to us, but he's not. So okay. PK had ADD. And he just undiagnosed. First of all, you're creating these diagnoses. <laughs> Where is your doctorate? Uh, I want to see sh- it. What medical school did you go to? I just... Are you like PK's father? Nah, like, definitely not. That was do everything. PK was actually pretty successful. He won a couple of karting championships. I think this was like Sao Paulo. Like kids today walk around with like 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 little ten year old kids walk around with like pistols. Good for them. No. I mean, not good for them. I thought you were gonna say like margaritas or something, and then I said good for them too fast. Not good for them. Children should not have pistols. Yeah, Brazil, you gotta take better care of your people. Oh, um, I think like isn't that generalizing? Like, have you been there? Do you know? Did you no? Okay, but Brazil, just... Brazil's known for their slums, and the government's doing a pretty good job of making sure that the people in the slums know they're not humans, and I think that's pretty fucked up. Okay, yeah, that's, that's messed up. So, so Brazil, Sao Paulo, you gotta take better care of your people. Do better. So, <laughs> the cool thing <laughs> is that Ayrton Senna actually donated about $400 million uh, before he died. He was a very generous person. He came for money also. That's cool. And Wait, Senna, not Senna, not Pique. Pique. I don't okay. know too much about Pique's okay. charitable donations. I would imagine he did donate a lot, because coming from Brazil, you see that growing up. Well, so, but I feel like there are Ayrton, the opposites with that. Where, like, you could, you either, like, when you come up, you're like, okay, I want to donate. Or you're like, oh, like, I never want to be no, there again. PK, I want to keep my PK money. No, PK and Senna raced against each other, so they knew. I'm sure they spoke. Because imagine it this imagine this way. They were racing against people who were British who spoke English. Ugh. If you come up against, if I go to somebody and I'm racing against someone somewhere and they speak Spanish, I'm not going to speak to them in English. You know what I mean? Like, that's a cultural thing that you're not going to really. I mean, yeah. So, I would imagine they spoke to each other. They said, hey, what was it like? I'm sure they got to know each other. Right, right? but that doesn't mean they're the same people. I would imagine that they probably both donated a lot. I hope he donated a lot. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I imagine. I don't know anything about the guy, though. And I'm I'm sure Emerson Fittipaldi, who was also the... Fittipaldi, he's the first Brazilian champion, babe. Double world champion. We'll cover him later. His last name sounds Italian, though. Yeah, right? It's weird. I'm upset by that. Well, you know, okay, so there's a driver named Jean Alessi. Jean Alessi? Yeah, he was French and Sicilian. Jean Alessi? Yes. Jean Alessi. Alessi? That's not even Italian. That yeah. sounds French. So, we're getting off track. Okay. The success that PK had uh, wasn't enough to sort of bring his parents over to PK's side or Nelson's side. And what ended up happening was PK's dad... Uh, shipped him off to the U.S. Oh, yeah. He was like, "Okay, bye." And was like, "You're gonna go to university. Hopefully, that'll fix you." Oh, and yeah, it, it didn't. Well, no. I mean, we're talking about him here, so mm-hmm. clearly. So he was given a scholarship, um, based off of his like ability as a tennis player, and oh, um, so he was like good, good. Yo, he was he great. Was like, yeah, he could have gone pro, but he found it boring. That's the thing, and um, <sighs> so he went to Georgia, and oh, did he go to UGA? I don't know, actually. Aww. I think he might have gone to UGA, yeah. Because I was doing I was doing research, and I think it might have been UGA. Okay. Nelson Piquet dropped out of university after he went up against the American tennis players. They were a lot tougher, a lot taller. He dropped out of university, right? And it doesn't tell me what university he goes to. Yeah, he just said Georgia. That's the thing. He throws himself into motor racing. He buys himself a Formula V, the same car that I bought. Oh. And the first year that he races, he wins a championship, and this is in 1977. 
So that's right? like a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Okay. This is a year before he enters Formula One, which is crazy. So he's just like exceptional at he everything he does at this point. Kind he's of. He's like killing the tennis this game. Is, this is going to be very common where Formula One drivers get into a car and they're great. They're just great. And they're just better than everyone. That's the thing. They just get to be prodigies. Like, prodigy is just someone who's, like, super good at what they do. Oh. Like, I'm a prodigy at being annoying. Okay, moving on. So wow. he meets up with Emerson Fittipaldi while he's racing in the United States. Oh, right? okay. He meets up with him in the U.S. Um, Fittipaldi is the one who convinced PK to move to Europe. He said, if you want to do this seriously, you're going to have to move to Europe. Because that's where all of the Formula One teams are based. Okay. Except for Haas. I forget well, that, Haas like, they a... didn't have... Like, you couldn't just do anything you wanted anywhere. Yeah, like, so... Yeah, that's crazy. Even today, every Formula One team except for Ferrari, there are ten teams. The remaining nine all have bases in Europe. And specific, more specifically, like, a little piece of, like, England. They're Almost all of them are exclusively in England. They're probably going to be in, like, that one section of England that has, like, the worst accent. Silverstone. Most of them, I think. Ugh. And then there's Brackley and... Anywho... Haas has a headquarters in South Carolina, I want to say, but they, they don't Why? use it. They don't use it as an operating headquarter, I don't think, in terms of like building the car. All of that's done in Europe. PK had a little bit of money, and the figure oh, that a little. the yeah the figure that okay. I found adjusting for inflation was about fifty six thousand dollars in today's money, which yeah. is a, a massive amount of money. No, it's that's a little crazy. bit of money. He came for money. He saved his allowances, and he yeah. was like, oh, all of a sudden, and so he wasn't earning for cash, 000. right? So, PK goes on to join uh, two different Formula 3 championships in Europe at the same time. Okay. He wins one of them, and it's the... But he lost the other? No, he won the... He finished second in the other. So, he's like 50% success rate. Yes. Okay, well, not too great looking to me. It's not... That's the wrong way to look at it. But he doesn't look like he won twice. He won won a championship that same year in Formula V. But he only won one of... Two Formula Three championships. Babe, means... each championship's like twenty some races. Okay, but I just Nelson Piquet won thirteen out of twenty six races for the championship he won, and he broke Jackie Stewart's record for most wins. Well, good for him. But that yeah. other championship, he clearly wasn't giving his all. Oh, well, he won one. What do you want? I want him to anywho, win two. <laughs> anywho, so him winning the first championship uh, and coming second in another enticed a lot of Formula One teams to give him tests. He ended up testing with two. One of them was Ensign, which is a very, like, old Formula One team. They're I no longer like around. I feel like I've heard Ensign. Do they have, like, a different company? I don't think so. Ensign? That sounds Not really to my familiar. Knowledge. They were a Formula One team. They were backmarkers, pretty much. They, like, stayed at the back of the grid. Mm-hmm. And then there was also McLaren. Now, McLaren in 1977 was not doing very well. They had come off the heels of a championship two years pro- uh, the year before in 1976. They won with uh, James Hunt. Uh, they drive the they won the drivers' championship. But what happened was for 77 and uh, 78, they didn't do as well. They didn't win the championship again. So they just lost. Yes. Okay. So when PK signs up, he signs up with Ensign, and for 1978, he enters. And his first test is, or excuse me, his first race is Hockenheim. And there were 16 races, I want to say, for that entire season. So PK was entering well past, like, he wasn't going to do anything, pretty much, in terms of, like, a championship position, right? But... And you're going to find out why before you say anything. Okay. So Hockenheim is in Germany, and this track is... Gathered from the name. (laughs) Yeah. And... This track is known for its two really long straights because 
It was literally like seventy or eighty percent of the of the track was like flat out, right? Well, then what's the point? Hockenheim was really popular back in the day because of the forest. Drivers actually drove through a forest. It was literally that like just doesn't seem safe to me. It wasn't that at seems all. So there were so many deaths. Like, Jim Clark, who dear, can we talk about the wildlife issue? So Jim Clark, who was seen as the greatest of all time, and with respect to like Formula One drivers, he died. Not in a Formula 1 crash, but a Formula 2 race. Because back in the day, drivers would take up as many things they, as they could over, you know, So they were year. like they were PK's dad. They wanted to do everything and be everything. Yeah. I don't know too much about PK's dad. Well, from the titles you gave me, he was mm-hmm. ambitious. He was a physician and a minister. That's, That's not enough. uncommon. You only need one of the two. You don't need Anywho, both. Anywho, so Jim Clark, yeah, he was, uh, it was an off weekend for uh, Formula One, so they weren't racing an F1, so he decided to take up an F2 race, which every driver of the era was doing that. Right. If they weren't racing an F1, they were racing an F2. Workaholics. Mm-hmm. Literally. And Jim Jim Clark was not comfortable at all, which was super uncommon for him because he was the type of driver where you put him in a car and he broke rack lap, track records. All they had to do was put the wheels on the car and that was it. They just had I... to put it together. He drove the car and it was this inherent speed that he had. He could just go faster. Babe, the first time Jim Clark, I think, raced professionally, he borrowed this rich guy's car that he knew because he was working for him. And he gets in the car, and he's, like, two seconds faster than everyone. Of course And he, he unironically asks the owner of the car, why is everyone driving so slow? Like, that's, I don't think that's unironic. No, he literally did not understand no, why other drivers see, were I think fast. that's one of those humble brag moments. Oh, I mean, I would like, imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. like, why is everyone going so slow? But, babe, this, wink, was, wink. this was, like, the seventh or eighth time that he had raced, like... It, well, no, you know, I get it. Like, it's he, impressive. It's... Yeah impressive yeah but nobody goes why is everybody else driving so slow that's not a thing early on i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt i'm not he knew he was fast okay yes egotistical that's yes fine sure but like (laughs) he looks so annoyed right now i wish he's like your face (laughs) hockenheim was this very fast circuit so it's characterized by two things the really long straights that are led into the forest. Literally, you come out of the stadium and you go into a forest. It's like a mile and a half of just... Through a forest. Through a forest. It's literally... There are no barriers, babe. It's just the forest right next and to you. And this is Germany. So you this like is Germany. too. And um, there were 24 slots available for the grid. Uh, PK qualified 21st, which is not good. No, that's like... Almost last. This is actually not bad because he was two places ahead of his teammate who, give me a second, I'm going to try to pronounce it, Harold Ertl. He was Austrian. Ertl. Ertl. I-R-E-R-T-L. Ertl. Ertl. Now, Ertl had been around a couple of... uh, Ertl was one of those drivers who tried getting into Formula One and tried having it work. He was somebody who busted his ass and did everything he could. Just to drive. He was a guy who wasn't good. He was a guy who like it, wanted to be good. And I wouldn't say, good, but no. he wasn't on the same level because he just didn't have that inherent ability to be on that mm-hmm. level. No, poor guy. I okay. Ertl won a championship like two years prior. He won like a touring championship. Hold on, before you say anything, his credentials up to then, yes, hadn't been that good. But he was kind of like there was a driver that died the same weekend that Senna died called Roland Ratzenberger, and he was another driver who was old. Right? Like, he was, like, 33 or 34 when he got to the grid. So, he was... Wait, but didn't we just say that... Okay, wait. Mm. Because 
Lewis Hamilton's 35. Yeah, but he started when he was like 21, babe. He started in like 07. His first season was in 2007. Yeah, but he's... So he was like 22. So he's old too? Yeah. But he's only 35. Yeah, but he didn't start at 35. That's the thing. If you start oh, you at meant that... the other guy yeah, started yeah, 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 yeah. at that age. So Ertl... Okay. Unfortunately, Ertl was never in good machinery. He always drove these cars that were privateers. Well, so he couldn't drive... It wasn't well, that, it was, faster. Ones. it was like, if you couldn't, if cars were, teams were only allowed two, two cars, right? Right. Two drivers, that's it. Two mm-hmm. cars and two drivers. Just you could like have a now. third driver just in case as a reserve. Yep. However, uh, Ertl found himself in machinery that was never good. He was always in cars that were like, they were back markers pretty much. Like Ensign was this season that was just marred by, mm. by back markers. And this is when like. 33 or 34 cars were trying to get to the grid. There was something called pre-qualifying. Right. Where it was like the, the fastest of the slowest cars and whoever was the fastest mm-hmm. got like the last two spots of the grid yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so, so this is when Formula One was like getting really popular and everybody wanted to be yeah, in on it. Yeah, okay. this is when everybody was throwing shitloads of money. But this was also because you could just buy a car from a manufacturer like Ensign or McLaren and enter it privately. Uh, of course you could. The, the people with money, basically. You, yeah. You can't do that now. Because it was a rich of, people sport. Yeah, very okay. much so. And sponsors played a huge role in that too. Um, I think Nicky Lauda, when he came back from Formula One after he was done with his retirement, he his like million dollar salary was being paid by a sponsor. So it was. <laughs> so it's like, like yes, it's a it's it's a rich man sport. Yeah. Okay. So yep. we're getting super off track. Um, I just I want to go back to the guy who was uncomfortable in his Formula Two car. Jim Clark. Yeah. Yeah. So Jim Clark. Jim Clark was the type of driver to never be uncomfortable in his car. He never complained. Right. Right? Ever about anything. He this would is going to be the one day he complained. He was uncomfortable. No, he didn't the one do day it. he was uncomfortable, he died. Yeah, the one week. I weekend. feel like just listen to your gut. Just don't get in the he car. He didn't want to. But, babe, drivers back in the day drove. That was what they did. That's all they knew how to do. Well, Nikki, I feel like he knew how to walk away, too. Nicky Lauda in 1976 lost the championship because he had been in an accident that burned half of his face off and. He was like, "There's some. There's. He's like, the championship's not more important than my life." And okay. this was in Japan when his there was like three inches. His face is half inch... burned off. I feel like they could give him a break. They he's didn't. Like, no, the Italian media, he's media like, hated him. There face. was a, a mechanic named Joe Ramirez who said he'd never forgive Lado for what he did because his face was half melted off. But this was after, babe. Like this was just because you were seen as a pussy if you didn't drive. That's what okay, the sport like, was back in the day. I get that, but. His face. This was still. This was like a man's sport. That's the thing. So, so the one weekend that Jim Clark just felt off, like he couldn't get really mm. the car to go I the way he wanted it. Guy. And he, what happened was, it's theorized because this was in 1968. So they didn't babe. have cameras following. Them. They didn't have yeah, cameras. They, following there's them. no way to know exactly what happened. The cameras oh, weighed like no. 300 pounds. So what happened was, it's suspected oh, that God. a tire deflation. No. As he was braking, caused him to spin and hit the trees. Jim Clark was thrown out of the car because they didn't really wear seatbelts back in the day. Of course they did. And he was traveling at such a high speed that he was thrown into a tree and his neck snapped. I just... And he died. Like, but he did... I... Like, it... Babe, my literally... first thought was, like, he got impaled on a tree. So, like, no, as no. terrible as that is, like, like imagine he got like flown into a tree. Imagine, like, throwing something like that and, like, it, like, his neck was just As fucked. terrible as that is, yeah. at least he didn't, like, get impaled and was suffering. But think of it that way. Like, imagine the terror you're going through as you're being no, flown through course. the car. No, of course. Like, that's terrifying. But at least, like, when it happened, it was hopefully quick. Yeah. Like, just a quick, like, unfortunate, terrible... Yeah. 
No impalation? Impaling? Impaling? I think impaling is the right word. Yeah. Okay, so back to Hockenheim in 1978. A tenth of a second is a lifetime in Formula One, right? Okay. um, It's a lot of time. PK was a tenth of a second faster than his teammate, and his teammate had been in the car like two or three races longer, so he had more experience in the car, and PK from the jump was faster. Still just better. Yeah. And this guy. Yeah. So... A little bit bit of backstory on Ertl because I think he should be spotlighted. Yeah, he Ertl was one of those guys. Deserves some time. Yeah, to and shine. because he he dies and not in a Formula he One, dies? Race, not in a Formula One race. Oh, but, well then, uh, who cares, right? Jesus. He did, like I said, Ertl spent a lot of his time in machinery that just wasn't good enough. So he died in a different car, didn't he? No, his results in the junior formula, like I said, weren't spectacular. Okay. He won one yeah. championship, and then that's about it. The championship he won in the junior formula was entered by Sachs, um, Sachs Sporting. And like that Goldman was Sachs? no, that was the same team that had entered PK's ensign and Ertl's ensign. Okay, so it was like a privateer team. That's how it was. You would just buy a car and then you'd run it yourself and you'd be your own team, right? Okay, that, people That's did that back so in the weird, day. But yeah, good for them, um, like customer cars basically. And his prior results again weren't too great. Uh, Ertl died in a plane crash in 1982. Why did so many planes crash in the 80s? I gotta ask. Like, everybody di- everybody in the 80s who died was like, oh, yeah, it's just a casual plane crash. Yeah. Like, no. So, Earl dies. That's not okay. 1982. And this is what's really sad. He was actually contemplating going back and driving touring cars around the time he died. Well, but he see, never got to because he died. Well, but see, I think, like, like he died in a plane crash. Yeah. And, like, he he would have had to have gotten on a plane to Graham get back Hill, anyways. So, like, Graham Hill was also a world champion. He died in 1974. Five or six. I don't remember when, so plane crash. Of course. It was him and like three other people. I just, I'm never. And I feel really bad because Damon Hill, his son, actually went on to win the 1996 World Championship. So, like. Oh, the guy who died in the plane crash, his son. Yeah. I thought you meant Damon Hill, like, comma, his son. No, no, no. no. Damon Hill was the guy who was the son of Graham Hill. Oh, so his dad died, like, right before he won? No. Because he won in 1996. I can't count. Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. PK didn't finish the race, surprise, surprise. Or died uh, in a plane crash. He didn't, either. <laughs> it was on lap 33 that his engine gave up. He finished 11th for the team, and he was the last of the finishing cars. His engine gave up? Yeah, engines blew up a lot. Babe, this was no. a high circuit. It blew up? Yeah. Yeah, engine failures were super common. No, I need Not to... literally, like... Okay, like, so that's what I was... You said blew up, and I imagined, like, an explosion. When an engine like, blows up, technically, it internally blew up, where it well, just right, gives up. Right, but it up. didn't externally, like, blow shrapnel everywhere. No, okay, that was super uncommon. I, was I don't think that's ever happened. But engines do... Engines have, like, lit themselves on fire. Oh. Because, like, a fuel line of Zretford or whatever. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, right. it's super safe. If that happens, they have fire extinguishers within, like, 10 feet of the car that they just turn around, and it's fine. Um, but if it happens, it happens. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, and then, so, that was, that was Hockenheim for PK. The next race, which was the 12th race, was Austria. It was held at, uh, the Osterreich Ring. The in Osterreich? Osterreich Ring. That sounds a little too... It's a little Austrian, yeah. It sounds a and little Hitler-y. I can't, Hitler-y. I can't help but... So, there's a, there's a track in Germany called the Nürburgring, and that was actually built by Hitler. It was, uh, commissioned by Hitler. It's like 20-some miles or something like that. Well, Hitler did, like, his sports... Yeah, I mean, Formula Olympics One cars used to race at the Nurburgring. We'll talk about a couple of drivers oh. who died there, and Nikki Lauda's accident was actually at the Nurburgring, mm. and it was super fucked. You want to mm. know how fucked it was? This track was so long that uh, they probably didn't realize he was dead for a while. No, he didn't die. 
Oh, that's good. Lauda I thought you meant like die. he died. No, Lauda, Lauda, Nikki Lauda died last year. Oh, oh that's right. He's a guy with a melty face. Yeah. Yes. Melted face. Yes. Melty is probably it's the wrong word. <laughs> so, <laughs> what happened? This track was so large that uh, you couldn't really set it up. You couldn't really set up a car the way you would want to. Because if there was... Uh, because it covers like two or three different counties. So it could be raining in one <laughs> county and like... A minute of the track yeah, is wet, and so you have to set up your car for that, but you can't. That's the thing. You right. can't set it up for, like, the 90% that's dry. You know what I mean? That's all bad. It's all bad, so it's so just super so funny. it's just this huge track. It's just this that, giant like, track. goes through different, like, weather systems? It, pretty much. Oh, Germany. Yeah, and the cool thing about the, that track is it's called... It was... Uh, Jackie Stewart gave it the title of the Green Hell, because it, it was... Jackie Stewart was... Could not read... But he's 80 years old now, and if you asked him where certain bumps are on the Nurburgring, he'd be able to tell you. See, that's crazy to me. Like, he, it's, guy, it's like, all in his head. That, like, there were there were circuits that impressive. Formula One cars drove on once in, like, uh, Montreal or Spain, right? And he can tell you where the bump is. I love that. And, like, what apex to take at, he what speed like he was taking. He's sweet old man. Yeah, he's kind of racist. nothing about But, yeah. Him. Oh. Him and Mario Andretti are, babe, they're boomers. So we'll talk later about Mario Andretti and Jackie Stewart, but they're, they're not totally, they're on the side that Lewis Hamilton's campaign for like racial equality is militant. Yeah. And so they're boomers. I respect them as drivers, as people. It's a totally different thing. Anywho. I just called them sweet old men and now I feel like gross. Well, they're old men. I mean. But I said I thought they were sweet. So it's. In Spielberg, the Osterreich ring, PK starts at the back, he starts P20. Um, okay, so he does terribly again. Mm-hmm. And Ertl, however, was 24th and dead last. Of course. Uh, the race uh, had some drama at the beginning. Uh, Andretti, who was driving for Lotus. The racist old guy. The racist old guy, yes. Okay. I wouldn't say racist, I would say ignorant. I feel like if you're, if you're calling him militant. With well, someone okay, standing so up for like... Civil Mario Andretti was born in Naples, Italy, and he came, he, babe, he, his family had to immigrate because of Mussolini. So he's an immigrant who disagrees that people of color who, well, he, babe, I don't think he sees himself as a person of color. That's the thing. Think of it that way. Okay. Like, okay. That's, that's the thing. I guess. Oh, anywho, enough, enough political talk. We should have another podcast about that. That'd be interesting. So Andretti, who, uh, would go on to win the championship in 1978, the year that this is taking place. He uh, spins out. He tried to make up some places super quickly. He was overtaken at the start. Uh, and then there's a massive rainstorm on lap four. Of course there is. Nelson Piquet uh, and Hector Rebaque retire from the race because of it. Rebaque? Rebaque. Rebaque. And Piquet retires. And that's it for him. Piquet. So he just gave up. No, babe. If you retire, you retire. There's no, like, third car for you. I don't... What? Like, if you retire from a race, you can't just go back to the race because there's not another. No, car I know that's why I'm you. saying he just gave up. No, you you can't go on if you retire. Oh, you mean like he he was from the incapable. Race. He literally of was incapable. Race. Yeah, like his car prevented. Yes, him. yes. He wasn't like I'm done. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant he like experienced weather and he was like I give up. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so the next race is at Zandvoort, and this is in uh this is Dutch territory. Oh right. So, uh, yeah, and Good PK pre qualifies. Oh, wait, no, so, sweets. Anywho, this is the Dutch GP. Uh, okay, so and PK... it's super fun. It's a really cool track. I don't, you, I don't, you've never driven it, but in I F1, have never driven any track. in F1 2020, the tracks on there 
Uh, it's got this really famous Tarzan corner that's super cool. Tarzan They call it, it's like this super sick, like, uphill. It's got, like, a lot of banking. So if you think of, like, Daytona or Indy, how they have the banking, it's like that. Okay. It's super fun. It's it's really fast. It's really windy. It's like a NASCAR corner. Yes. Yeah, it's super, it's really cool. Anywho. I'm just going to compare it to NASCAR. PK now wasn't with Ensign. He, he left the privately entered Ensign. He was like, I did terribly with your team. I'm leaving. That's when he really did. He And then he moves on to a privately entered McLaren. McLaren okay. Ford. All of the pre-qualifiers were running some sort of variation of the Ford V8 engine. It's called the DFV. It was basically commissioned by Graham Hill, who was, you know, okay. he he basically wanted an engine for Lotus, right? For Lotus, the the car manufacturer, the car like they they were the team, Team oh, Lotus. Okay, let's go with Team Lotus. Okay. So, um, Colin Chapman, who is the owner of Team Lotus, goes to Ford. Says, hey, we want an engine. We want to be the only ones that have it. Ford's like, all right, say less. So they develop the DFV, and it goes on to be this like phenomenal engine. It's it was used like twenty years after it was commissioned in like nineteen sixty eight or something so like that. So great engine. It was a phenomenal engine, and it was super cheap by the time you know nineteen seventy eight rolls around, and it was quite reliable. Um, maybe the cars that were that it was like pushing weren't. But the oh. engines themselves were fairly reliable, right? They okay. were really good weight-wise, um, pretty good in terms of, like, power delivery. And uh, three of the pre-qualifiers were McLarens. All of them were running Ford engines because it was just the thing to do. Uh, Bruno Giacomelli was one of the pre-qualifiers in a, the other McLaren, and then Brett Lunger was in the other McLaren. Brett Lunger is an American driver, he was there at the scene of Nikki Lauda's crash, and he pulled him out. Oh, so he's the guy who saved Nikki Lauda's Lauda life. So from the scary German Hitler fire track. Track. Yeah. So okay. really, this is really actually quite. Uh, this is one of the moments that I think really characterizes Formula One racing. Uh, when Nikki Lauda returned three races later after his fiery crash, this was like four weeks after his face has just been. Like, his wounds were still bleeding. He's right? melty. He was, like, babe, he had bandages on, and he took his helmet off, and there was just blood everywhere. Yeah, like, the inside no, of his melty helmet Melty should fucked. not have been driving. His name is Nikki Lauda. Please call him Nikki Lauda. No, I'm saying, like, he was melty, comma, he should not have been driving. Just call him Nikki Lauda, please. Nikki Lauda, whose face like, got half melted like, off. Fucked up. <laughs> his face got melted okay, off. Okay, okay. That strikes me as initially fucked up. I don't think me saying yeah. melty makes it worse. Okay, it just puts okay, me okay, into okay. people's heads. Okay, so Nikki Nikki Lauda returns at Monza four weeks later. He should not have he been driving have. four weeks. Hundred percent, no. I stubbed my toe. I'm out of work for like two days. Yeah, and <laughs> Nikki Lauda. One of the first things he does is he goes. It was super funny. Uh, he had to walk down, literally down the pits because Brett Lunger was so far back on the grid. Oh, <laughs> so like there's a pit lane right where like the gar- the garages are at, and, and Lauda, Nikki Lauda was, was like, at the front. I just melted my face Ferrari. off, but I'm still. Still in the front. Still well, because gotta he, walk back he was to driving you. the Ferrari. That's the thing. Like he was strolling down the pit lane, and he pulls up to Brett Lunger. Uh, he pulls up to Brett Lunger's garage. All he says is "thank you," and he just walks away. That's it. He's like, "Thanks, man." <laughs> well, he's like, "You saved my life. Thank you." And Nicky Lauda was the sort of person to be that like abrupt. Like I'm gonna, you're gonna see conversations of him back in the day. He was a very short, like talking person. He was very no nonsense. I feel like you could at least. He was, he was very Austrian. That was like oh, his well, thing. Meh. And, well, he's the one who told Enzo Ferrari that his car was shit. So, like... Oh, he, he was, was like, yeah, your car sucks. He was honest, right? Oh, great. So, all no of the... No from that guy. Yeah, very bad. Um, 
Nelson Piquet had transmission problems, and he retired on lap 16. And Zanvoort was actually notable for being the last win for an American driver to date. Mario Andretti won the race. Um, and it was last for any American driver. And uh, okay. Team Lotus... Go ahead. So, see, I want this Piquet guy to be amazing. And He's everything you're telling me so far, he was great to begin with when he had a lot of money. He started actually racing, and he sucked, and his cars broke down. That's not going to be the case, believe me. Okay, but I just want you okay, to know that great. I went I... into this expecting, like, this amazing off-the-bat prodigy, this is and I'm getting the a start... guy who can't finish races. Yeah, because he had transmission problems. How is that his fault? If, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm saying that... It sounds a lot like victim-blaming, BB. I don't think a transmission problem is the same. Okay, okay. That's Nelson. This is his first year. He entered the 11th race, babe. He only entered five races, you big butthole. Okay, like five or six races. So far, he's not finished three. So, well, he, baby, like I said, he was pre qualifiers almost never finished. This, this is the era of Formula One where literally less than half the grid finished. Always, there were almost never more than like 13 finishers in a race. That's unfortunate. And only the first six positions earned points. So he's literally, like, doing it. All he's doing is, Babe, like... Babe, if you were at the back, everything was set against you as a Formula 1 driver. <laughs> like, you were fucked. Okay. Right? Okay. So Team Lotus also earned the last 1-2 uh, in qualifying and the race. That's where they finish first and second. And they qualify first and second. Okay. Ronnie Peterson, he was labeled the Super Swede. He also earned his last podium, race start, and finish. And we're going to find out why. Podium, race start, and finish? Yeah, of his career. I need... I need you to explain to me the race lingo. Podium, race, race start, Oh, babe, po- podium is the first three, in the first three positions. So when you finish a race, the podium is going to be position one, two, and three. Oh, so it's so like big the gold, silver, bronze. Things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those, that would be the last time he ever was on the podium, he ever finished a race, and he ever started a race. And this leads us to Monza. 1978. Monza? Monza. This is, is this uh, the location yes. or a person. Monza is the location. It's okay. uh, home of the Autodromo Nazionale di Monza. Nope, you're going to have to say that differently. I got nothing. Autodromo, the National Autodrome of Monza in American, in English, American. <laughs> and American. In American. <laughs> PK qualifies on the last row of the grid. Surprise, surprise. Uh, he's Shocking. driving the McLaren M23. He qualifies and last again. This was also the, fun fact, this is actually also the last race that the McLaren M23 was used in. M23 is just the car designation, so like the car name. Okay, so you're telling me that they were finally like, listen, our car breaks down all the time. And, we're giving you a different one. Uh, no. This was... No, because they just moved on. In Formula One, cars, a lifespan of a car is usually like, or was, maybe like a season, and then they went on to the next one. This just seems wasteful. It was very wasteful. Okay. 100%. But I mean, yeah. granted, the 70s. So, when the race was over, PK classified ninth, and it was the highest finishing position of the season so far. That's um, unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But given that Homie only entered five races and retired from five of them, it you know, so he and it would have meant the world to him, and he did not finish five because he had babe. The cars failed no, car on him. problems. I yeah. get it. I'm just saying, like you set this guy up to be great. Oh, he's so great. He's oh, I'm gonna suck this guy's dick later because he's <laughs> so he's like, gross. <laughs> he's like he's great. He's super great. Okay, he's a phenomenal. He's he's a dick, and you're, he he loves playing pranks on people. But as a driver, he was oh, so very he's like you. he was very electrifying, and um. The race was notable for a number of things. Uh, Alfa Romeo, I, mean, Lizzie, I would imagine. Alfa Romeo uh, 
uh, earns their last race win. It was also Nikki Lauda's last race win until 1982. Now, Alfa Romeo is an Italian. Yeah, Alfa Romeo is an Italian manufacturer, uh, car manufacturer, race yeah, I know car what manufacturer. Engine. This was the last time they ever won anything. I pretty do like much. bougie things. Yes. And Andretti and uh, Gilles Villeneuve. Who, Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. 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 There we go. Let me look at that. Let me see. Via Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Nope, I got nothing. Villeneuve. Nope. It's French. He's from uh, of Canada. It's French. He's, I think, from like Montreal or something. Freaking French Canadians. Yeah, and it's all bad. Weird so, names. Okay. weirdly enough, Andretti and uh, Gilles crossed the line first and second. But uh, they actually jumped the start at the beginning at the restart. So they didn't. They they oh, had they had a no. minute added to their times. Oh, so they got like Andretti what, like finished and eleventh or something. Andretti finished sixth and Gilles finished seventh. Oh, um, I, I this was actually that. at the race restart, not at the beginning of the race. There was a restart, and you're gonna find out why. Okay, okay. Um, the race was all sorts of fucked, and th- this is where things went pear-shaped, because it was all pear-shaped? pear-shaped. What is pear-shaped? For those who aren't familiar with race starts, like yourself... Um, I feel jacked. At the beginning of a Grand Prix, there's something called the formation lap. Uh, so, okay. what it is, is before the formation lap, all of the cars are on the grid at their designated spots. They're right. So, first is in perfect. first place. Yeah. Huh? They're all yeah, lined up. Lined up. And... For the formation lap, all of the mechanics, all of the team personnel, all of the media has to leave the track, right? So what the cars do is they go around to the track once. Make sure their tires are up to temperature, their brakes are fine, make sure the car's not doing anything that it shouldn't be yeah, doing. Yeah, they do this in NASCAR too. Yeah. Okay. They, they did that. And uh, once the entire grid goes back, so once the first car goes all the way around, he sits back on first spot, second car does the exact same all the way back. Okay. So naturally, so it takes forever. It takes forever. Naturally, first position is going to be waiting mm-hmm. for the people at the back to finish. There was an asshole by the name of. It's going to be French. It's is gonna... it French? Did you write the name? I did. It's a French guy. Uh, I vote no. French. Oh, actually, I didn't put this guy's name down. Anyways, there was a guy. Yeah, so there's a guy. So the entire field goes around once. Uh,. And the grid at Monza did this, obviously, and they were ready to go. They were waiting for the rest of the pack to get situated. And um, there are these red lights that pretty much signal the race start. There are right. five red lights uh, right above, right at the beginning. So at the finish mm-hmm. line, there are red lights, and they'll go... Usually it's like one red light and then up to five, right? They'll all turn on in sequence, and then they'll turn off, and then that's when the race starts. Or they'll all be on, and then when the light turns off, that's a race start. What ended up happening was... It seems the- very inconsistent. Yeah, it was either or. So okay. it, it varied pretty much for track. Um, it was pretty ghetto. Okay. But the guy who was in charge of turning the lights on was way too enthusiastic. Me. And he, <laughs> he turned them on before the back of the grid was Done. stopped. Oh my God. So you have to stop. This because guy. what happens is if you don't stop and you're still moving, you're carrying that momentum. And if the lights turn off, you get better yeah. acceleration. So what happened was the guys at the front... Um, didn't have that as much speed as the guys in the midfield and in the back. Right. So they were jumped at the start automatically. Like Andretti and Gilles, uh, they, how should I say this? They were at the front, yeah, but 
they ended up having to, they, they just jumped to start because of all the confusion. Right, because there was too much going on. Mm-hmm. Aww. So, this meant that all of the cars were at a, an immediate disadvantage, and if you look at Monza, it's pretty much like this really weird, like, track where the, the front, the start finish straight, where the cars are on, lead mm-hmm. into a, a chicane that's like 30 miles an hour. So, they're sorry, going... who? A, a chicane, so it's an S. So, it's like... You're coming in, you break, and it's like that. Okay, it's like a loop, like a loop. no, it's boom. A swoop. It's a yeah, swoop. Okay. So it's do swoop and yeah, then... you turn the car left and then right, and you're good. And so you swoop. Yes. Okay. It so they're coming in at like 145 miles an hour, and That's imagine really imagine like 30 something cars all bunching in. No thanks. So what happened? This is the fun stuff. Um. There was a funneling effect, basically, where the cars at yeah. the front, you, you like the funneling for traffic, and uh, Ricardo Patrese was a driver who started in 12th position, and he was one of the guys who got a, ju- a good jump at the right. start. He drove past world championship, uh, world champion James Hunt on the right, and naturally James Hunt didn't want to hit him, but he wanted to give him enough room, so he goes to the left, and what he does is he clips the right no. rear of Ronnie Peterson, no. and th- these guys are going really really fast well, so yeah what happens with ronnie peterson is that he's flinged no. around and he's tossed into the barriers no. and his legs are fucked no yeah and not only that ronnie peterson's tire uh dislodges no. and it hits the head of vittorio brambia oh, and it's going super fast oh my god and it knocks him unconscious and thankfully vittorio brambia survives but he oh. had some serious head injuries oh, i would imagine um not quite half a face yeah. melted off, but not pleasant. So Peterson suffered from major leg injuries, like I said. His legs were fucked, and it took the medical crew 20 minutes to get to him. That's so dangerous. Just because the safety standards back in the day are not what they are today. Well, and you're not supposed to pass on the right, right? No, you can. But the thing is that, babe, there was like... Imagine like four cars trying to no, fit into the space yeah. of like three. Like, that's a so lot. So it was like... It's... If you look at the footage... It's tough to see how much of it was Ricardo Patrese's fault, mm. how much of it was the guy who was, you know, controlling the lights. He fucked up massively. Well, I feel At like... the end of the day, I blame the guy who controlled the lights for the death of Ronnie Peterson because the drivers are there to drive. The so death if the of lights... Ronnie Peterson? Yeah. What? Because that caused... Did somebody die? Oh, yeah. Ronnie Peterson dies. Wait, the guy with the legs? Yeah. He dies. What did he so die? I'll tell you why. The medical crew took twenty minutes to get to him, which takes forever. Which and he's takes probably forever. Losing a lot of blood. He didn't die then. They take him to a hospital. No. The doctors are dicking around, arguing about whether or not to fix all of the fractures at once. In the meantime, he a develops a fat embolism, and <gasps> that gets that ends up turning into liver failure, that and he dies so through mad. that. That's, yeah. just, that's such an easy thing to catch. Yeah, it makes me so. So angry. Ronnie Peterson dies the day after the race. Oh my god! So he was like in agony, and yeah, then he, died. he was he didn't dying. Even get, like, he was he, fucked. It wasn't like yeah. he was thrown against a tree, and he just like died. Yeah, he no, just, it was all. Oh bad. my god, that that makes me so mad. Uh, I hate the guy controlling. Now, the for those of you who don't know what a fat embolism is, Kimberly, you know, but it's like so, when fat you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, please, go. please. I looked it up on Wikipedia. I skimmed it, so you probably you so, worked in healthcare. You know well, no, I, I don't work in like healthcare. Healthcare. I do. I, that's you used to, you used to be, okay. I was a caregiver. Like, yeah, there you go. I'm not, but, I didn't pass biology, so let's put it that way. I didn't know what the Oh, yeah, I'll was. explain what this is. Yeah. So, <laughs> I do, like I said, I skimmed, I like... It's basically is when, like, you break a bone, especially in your legs, because you have a very um, fatty tissue um, in and around your legs, and the bone marrow is... Um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, the bone marrow, when it is exposed... It enters it the bloodstream. enters the bloodstream, and it creates basically like a blood clot of fat. Um, and when it travels through your body, it can create a lot of damage. Some can go up into your lungs and create a pulmonary embolism there. Some can go into your heart and cause heart failure. Some can end up going, you know, to your liver, and they cause liver failure because they're blocking your liver from secreting any of the things it needs to secrete in order to you know function and Mm -hmm. then your liver poisons itself and you die it's slow horrible agonizing death so a less medical summary of that um pretty much uh ronnie peterson had his shit fucked from the inside out and that's not even close to a medical summary you don't have to say less of you can say a completely non-medical summary uh, so he (laughs) So he died the 11th of, of September of uh-huh. 1978, and he was 34 years old, so he was super young. Oh, yeah. no. Did he have so, a family? Don't tell me. Tell I think me. he did. Oh. Maybe. I'm not totally certain. Oh. I didn't Google it. I'm not. I didn't. I don't want to Google we'll it. We'll cover Ronnie Peterson eventually. So I don't want to now. No, it's fine. Okay. Mario Andretti, by default, won the world championship uh, as a driver <laughs> because Ronnie Peterson was not only his teammate, but the only person who really could catch him points-wise. There were two races left in the season. Wait, so they so, were like, yeah, I mean, like, guy no, died. No, mathematically, he, nobody could put he up He would a, have won. He was going to, no, math, babe, what I'm saying is because of the death of Ronnie Peterson, no other driver was mathematically able to, had the, had Mario Andretti retired from the next two races, and the closest person won those two races, they still wouldn't have had enough points to beat him. So by oh, default, I see what you on mean. a math, okay. yeah, he, he, he won it, and that sucks, and, uh. It should have been Ronnie Peterson. It should have been Ronnie. Ronnie Peterson was on track to win that. Ronnie was the better driver. Mario Andretti was just more... Uh, I hate him. I don't. I, I wouldn't I go do. that far. I hate him. I'm cutting that out. <laughs> no, don't cut it out. I hate uh, him. Yeah, nobody had really put up any sort of opposition, which ends up taking us to the United States Grand Prix, and Nelson Piquet didn't take part of this. I couldn't find out why. He was probably like scared his dad yeah. would him there or something. He was like, yeah, yeah, I dropped out of university. My dad's going to No, be actually, one of the... Jesus. It's really sad that... Ronnie Peterson died, but one of the really good things that came out of it was something called the medical car. And now, during the formation lap, ever since that, uh, ever since Monza, right? Okay. After Monza, the race stewards said there has to be a trained team of medical professionals that follow the formation lap and um, Look for make, sh- make sure that everyone's going to be okay. okay. And what the medical car does now is they'll follow... Um, They'll follow the grid and then for the formation lap. Once the formation lap's over, they dart into the uh, they'll dart into the pit lane and then okay. they'll stay at the pit. So they'll go from the pit entry to the pit exit. Mm-hmm. The pit exit's a lot closer to the front of the the grid, obviously. Right, and, and then if anything happens, if they anything, can go they just they literally right just park themselves there off to the side. And if they need if they're needed, they're there in like fifteen seconds. Well, good for them. Yeah, and um, sucks for sucks for Ronnie Peterson, yeah. but I mean. A it's little side note. A I little mean. side note to add. Actually, Ricardo Patrese was one of the first drivers to receive an unofficial race ban because of everybody was blaming him because but he wasn't passed. He, the guy... he just passed Hunt. That's the thing. Yeah. He... So he didn't even hit him. That's, so that's crazy. He passed someone. He was doing what you do in a race. Yeah. Hunt. I probably over adjusted. Yeah. There were Let's a bunch of real. drivers that labeled Ricardo Patrese as a dangerous driver, which is understandable. If I wasn't there, right? I was. You know, my what? dad wasn't even in the States. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so like, so 
So like I wasn't there, right? Like I like I'm saying I I don't know who exactly to blame. If I was if anybody was going I wouldn't blame any of the drivers. Drivers are paid to drive. If somebody think... dies, there's an understanding that you die. I think the guy controlling the lights he messed up and unfortunately Oh, he fucked died. up big time. I don't think I don't think there's anyone really like to blame. I think no, you place blame the you blame like Hunt pro- like I don't know. I wasn't there, but I'm going to say if Patrezzi? Patrezzi. Patrezzi. I can't Pastrami. speak. Yeah. If Pastrami guy, like, thought he could make it, that's his job. It's his job to judge whether he can make it or not. If he could have made it without hitting Hunt, and yeah. Hunt over at the adjusted, end of, at, yeah. and he hit... P- P- Patrezzi. Patrezzi. No, he hit... M- M- Peterson, baby. Peterson. Yeah. Too many Ps. Yeah. He hit Peterson, and Peterson flung out. Then, then technically it's Hunt's fault. But then if Patrezzi... Pastrami guy couldn't have made it, and he thought he could. Then it's his fault. But then lights guy over there, he just got too excited. He was so happy, yeah. and he just loved his job. Or he was like, I don't know, getting a handy, and like he just he he missed it. He, no, I don't. I, I, at the I end think of the handy's day, unlikely. But he, at the end of the day, the guy who controls the lights is the guy at fault. Honestly, overall, he should yes. have been charged with like manslaughter no, at the very minimum no 100 percent. if you're babe this is a racetrack people those cars are very dangerous yeah well then i mean don't over adjust hunt i don't know it's not the driver's fault for doing their job the guy who didn't do their job was the person controlling the lights but the guy the, who no, didn't no, no, do babe, their job the cause a terrible like he did crash. because he fucked up but all he did people start early all the time and they don't die Drivers aren't supposed to start early. That's the thing. But that doesn't cause them to die. So what ended up happening was now that people, <laughs> now that uh, because of that, one of the things that ended up being uh, races are safer. Races are safer. The lights now are timed. It's all in sequence. So there's, there's no like guy no, literally a just a guy pushes a button and the lights work themselves out. So okay. it's like thank God, you know. Let's just hope he pushes the button. At yeah. The right time. So the race after the U.S. is the season finale. It's Canada. It's the Canadian GP. Ugh. That was great. It's the Canadian GP. <laughs> it's held at... Let me give you the name for oh this. Oh, God. Circuit Il Notre Dame in Montreal. Uh, Nelson Piquet had actually left the McLaren that he had been driving that was privately entered. So what is He's, he driving now at this point? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you. You cut guy. me off and I'm going to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, he's making me mad. Yeah. Uh, he signs with Brabham Alfa Romeo. Okay. So the, the team that Nicky Lauda is in, he is now teammates with Nicky Lauda. And this is not a bad place to be because Nicky Lauda is Unless one... you're Peterson. What? What? Oh, they weren't teammates. What? Cut that. God damn it. Nicky Lauda won two world championships. Okay. Nicky Lauda would go on to win three. Good mentor to have. Phenomenal. He okay. knew how to set up a car. And um, in between Monza and uh, Canada, Nelson Piquet, at some point in between there, Bernie Ecclestone said, hey, fuck it, we'll sign you. Oh. That's because Bernie Ecclestone had actually met Nicky Loud, or excuse me, uh, Nelson Piquet earlier. When Piquet had uh, moved over to Europe and was driving Formula 3, he met Bernie Ecclestone and was like, dude, can you find me a place to sleep? And Bernie oh. Ecclestone was like, I'll look. And PK was like, dude, I'll sleep under your truck. Me. <laughs> and Bernie Ecclestone was like, all right, we'll consider it. And so what happened was um, Bernie Ecclestone goes to his mechanic. And he's like, hey, put a put like a sleeping bag under the truck. And sure no. enough, the morning after, PK's there sleeping. So what's funny is that Bernie called his bluff. 
And PK wasn't bluffing. He was like, no, dude. I <laughs> He's am, like, my guy. Like, I may be rich, and but was, I don't want to spend money on This was on a to hotel. test how serious Nelson PK was with how much he wanted to do what he wanted to do. So, this guy had. Bernie Ecclestone was the kind of guy that would literally. Babe, he was like a mobster, basically. Okay. This was in the era where Bernie Ecclestone, if he didn't like something, he would literally take you around the back and, like, break your kneecaps. Good for him. Yeah. Anyways. So, I he signs with Bernie Ecclestone. Before we continue. Oh, God. This man. You're telling me who had $56,000 Nelson PK? He spent it on a race has, car, most likely. No, but listen to me. He had some spare change. He did not go through $56,000 that fast. For a race car, I would imagine he no, did. No, 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 Bader, no, no. A race he weekend for had, me cost me like $4,000. Had He had enough money for a Motel 6. Or the... I don't think European he did. European equivalent of. Babe, he was like slumming it from what I heard. Like he had enough money to get his car where he needed to, but that was it. So I'm sleeping in your car. I mean, come on. Anywho. Um, I'm just so upset. Bernie saw the potential that the Brazilian had and he had no problem signing him as a third driver. Right, because he slept under a truck. Yeah. And um, what happened was Nelson Piquet was now partners with John Watson and who's a, I think a... He's from Ireland. No, okay. So he's clearly not very, not very good. No, he's a good we driver. We don't know anything about him. I, John Watson went on to win a couple of really remarkable races. That's what you said about PK2 and so far it's not looking Well, baby, he, this is his first season. Like, what the fuck do you want okay, from the guy? Okay, okay, okay. Like, he wasn't like Lewis Hamilton where racing. he got like first from the jump, he was in a race winning car. Okay, well, Lewis Hamilton has set me up for disappointment then. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... Gilles Villeneuve won the race. Gilles Villeneuve yep. okay. won the race, and it was the first of his six race wins, which doesn't sound like a lot, but okay. again, like for the people who were there, there's a dude named Pete Windsor mm-hmm. who uh, runs motorsport.com okay. and is a, uh, he's like a pundit, I think, for Sky Sports, or he was. Sky Sports is like ESPN, but for the Brits, and uh, he and said- pundit is a- Like a, like a- News personality, oh, pretty okay. much. Sorry, so like a back. reporter, okay, quote-unquote. He traveled a lot with Gilles back in the day, and uh, Gilles Villeneuve, when he tested a McLaren, I think in 1976, mm-hmm. he spun at every corner at Silverstone. But oh. that's because he was the type of driver to push the limit and then dial it back from there. So he would, he'd literally so go he like... he sucked it first and then he'd like catch it. It wasn't sucking. It was him understanding the, where to not go well, no, and I don't then mean, work from there. I don't mean sucking in like a bad way. I mean like he would intentionally push to like right beyond what he thought could happen. And then from there he would catch yeah, it he because he back. knew at that point what was like yeah, acceptable. Yeah, he would, he would make the mistake first and then learn that's from what, it. That's what I mean. To, okay. Not like sucking in a bad okay. like, derogatory term. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the kind of driver he was. He was very sort of erratic he kind of he started doing this thing called power shifting and that's where when you're gonna go to shift instead of taking your foot off the gas you keep it all the way down clutch in and then you shift this just doesn't seem safe to me and so (laughs) what this what this would do this is actually super cool so when he would uh he'd literally just when so he's accelerating right he would Dude, I love that we're it. doing a podcast and nobody can see you, but you're still demonstrating. Yeah, I'm demonstrating it to you. <laughs> so what happened was this gave him a massive advantage on the straights because... Right, because he didn't care if he lived or died, clearly. No, it would give you... Because him using that extra bit of RPM gave him a little more power to accelerate out of the gear quicker. I just feel like that creates a lot of room for disaster. I just think... It creates wear, yes. It creates unnecessary wear, especially on the motor... Because if you're at a fast circuit and you're power shifting, if you're at like Hockenheim, where the engine's being pushed to its max 80% of, you know, 
the uh, 80% of each lap, then yeah, that's a lot. But if you're somewhere like Silverstone where it's pretty bendy and there's one straight. I'm like, just, I just still don't, I don't see that as being safe. Something about like <laughs> still pressing down on the gas while you shift gears. He's like, I saw X amount of like RPMs. I want to hate this guy, I was, but I love like <laughs> no, he's gears. hilarious. Yeah, he's like, could <laughs> have um, died. <laughs> PK Great. finished eleven, and Jesus. this was the second race of his uh, season. Basically, that he finished out of the five races, he only finished twice. Well, I mean, he good finished for him ahead for of he finished ahead of John Watson and Nicky Lauda, who both retired. Right, so the more experienced drivers didn't finish the race. Whatever, because their cars gave out. Because their cars gave out, which yeah. isn't their fault. And because this is the same argument you used with me when I was down dude, 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 dude. on PK. But I'm cutting fine. this out. Oh, no, you're not. It's <laughs> like the funniest moment. That wraps up Nelson PK's 1978 season. Uh, three retirements and two finishes. He finished ninth and 11th. And that's about it. Uh, Nicky Lauda actually had decided uh, that he had enough of the unreliable BT46, which was the car he was driving, the Brabham. When he melted his face off? Babe, no. Oh. This year. This year? 1978. I'm sorry. I'm confused. Yeah. I got distracted because every time you say his name, now all I can think is you getting mad that I said his face was melty. Nicky Lauda had had enough with the unreliable BT46. Didn't like right? the car. He didn't like the car he was driving because out of the 14 races it was entered, it didn't enter the first two races because he was using the older vert. He was using the car that came before it, the predecessor. Okay. Uh, out of he retired out of nine of the 14 races. Oh. So that's nice. that's why he won two races. However. And the remaining three races were two second places and a third place. But now he this still pretty didn't much finished nine. So he didn't finish nine, but this was bad. very kind of common. I don't like that that was common. Yeah, and this was still enough for Brabham to be third in the championship. Believe it or not, the two race wins, the sheer consistency, pretty much out of like the second, the last half of the. the so season. you had to be mediocre, like at best. You had to be to consistent. That's that's what you had to be. You had to be consistent. And when Nicky Lauda when Nicky Lauda finished, he finished like pretty consistently pretty high, up. high. For well, babe, like for twice. the for the what five uh, for the five times he finished, he finished at the top three, all of them. Like that's not bad, especially for a double world champion. I mean, like good for him. I'm just wow. I just want him to finish first five times. Oh my god! Well, he's. I'm not sorry. Dead. He's dead, I'm so. sorry. The season was a pretty bad title defense. Um, Nicky Lauda won the championship in 1977. And there was this thing called ground effect that... Okay. So you know how we pull that down? The... It, like the... What are they called? Like the shade? It's like a... Like a shade, not a... block. Like a... What do you call that? Well, you okay. know the black things that you use in front of your house to like stop the sun from coming in? What? They're like shade curtains. Uh... Do you mean curtains? No, they're actual like black curtains that you use to like... Oh, blackout curtains? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, imagine imagine a blackout curtain, but it's just the bottom part, and the bottom part pretty much sucks the car to the ground because it's attached to the side pod. The side part... So it's like the, a little suction-y thing. Yeah, like, so <laughs> what it does is it creates uh, a seal so the air doesn't go into the car. It, like, floops you to the ground. And it just sucks you to the ground. So you're like... Yeah. So Lotus was uh, using that to great effect. Okay. Now, ground effect had been around, like, a decade prior. Can-Am in the U.S. was using it way back in, like, 68 and okay. 69. So it wasn't like it was something completely new. Right. It was new to Formula One, but it wasn't new, new. And um, Ferrari just didn't really do a good enough job. <laughs> or excuse me, uh, I should say. For Lauda having won the championship in 77 with Ferrari, then to move from Ferrari to somewhere else because he didn't like Marinello, 
um, it wasn't good enough, right? Because it's two championships for Ferrari. So if you win championships, you know what's good, you know what's not good. And so, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's that's the 1978 season for Nelson Piquet. That's it? Yeah. Wait, so we, we end done. on a loss? Yeah, we end at a... We end this. We're ne- the night. The next episode is going to be on 1979 and 1970. Is this when he actually does something? Yeah. So 1980 is going to be the year for Nelson Piquet because he wins a championship in 1981, and then another championship in '83, and then another championship in 1987. He but lost out on 1985 and 1986. But you're telling me this time when you built him up to be this amazing. Well, driver. babe, this is going to be his whole career. But when you built him up to be this amazing driver, you ended yeah. me on a streak of losing. Yes. Intentionally? Anywho, catch us next time. We are, are probably going to get more irritated because here. I'm going to get irritated. Why? Because I want this guy to be great and so far he sucks. Uh, yeah, so we'll catch you guys next time. 1979 and 1980 are going to be pretty, pretty interesting and hopefully years. someone will improve. Yeah. Oh, he will. He All better. Right. Catch us later, guys. Thanks Jesus. for checking us out. Bye.